Welcome to episode two of Illegal Ham to the Face. Yep. I am your host, Fatty, and we got Big Bri here to my left again. Morning. And we are going to go over the Cleveland Browns NFL Draft of 2020. So, right off the gate, we have to do a trivia question. Yeah. Because that's what we do here. Yep. So, Big Bri, I have a juicy one for you. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Go okay. Ahead. Who is the only Denver Bronco quarterback drafted mm-hmm. to win a playoff game? There's only one. There's only one. Okay. And I want you to think about it, okay? All right. It seems like a curveball because the obvious choice. No, 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 no. All right. All right. You can't, you can't, you can't sell. You can't sell it already. No Google. All Go right. Yeah, All right. So. So here we go. So we're going to talk about the 2020 Cleveland Browns draft and what Andrew Berry magically did with this draft. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to go right off the gate with the number one pick, which is Jedrick Wills. Jedrick, yeah. That man is a beast. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I personally was a Makai Becton fan. Because right. the only reason why is you can't teach size, but you can teach skill. Mm-hmm. And that Old basketball adage. And that boy is big and long, and you can't teach that. But is he fast? But is he fast? And he was fast enough to combine. He was, he was fast enough. Agile. He was fast enough to turn heads at the combine. But the Browns got their number one guy, Jedrick Wills. Mm-hmm. And that is from what they're saying, and I use that in air quotes. From what they're saying, was their number one guy. But from what we've heard from press conferences and everything else, that that was the one guy that popped on paper for them because of the footwork. We heard that Kevin Stefanski sat there and looked at him at the combine and watched his first workout with his feet and went, wow. So I'm going to give it to you (laughs) because I think this kid, if he could make the transition to the left tackle – Especially with <clears throat> Joe Thomas teaching him how to play left tackle. Mm-hmm. Let's throw that out there, people. Mm-hmm. If he can actually make that transition to left tackle, what can that do for this team this year? We don't need him to be Hall of Fame great. We just need him to be average his first year. And then he can turn into Joe Thomas if he wants to. Which, hey, it's hard to turn into Joe Thomas. Let's right. be honest. Right. That man is a Cleveland God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the question. Can he make that transition from right tackle to left tackle? I know me and probably a lot of other people kind of ruled him out when thinking about left tackle. You know, oh, he's a right tackle. We signed Conklin. So now we need a stud left tackle. And so. Yeah. But see, the thing is, is that Alabama, though, he protected the blind side of his quarterback, right. which was a left handed quarterback. But. So he had to. So we don't know if he dabbled at all at left tackle, do we? So uh, we 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 do, he did not. So he didn't play one snap he, at left tackle. He protected the blind side. So he protected the black blind side of Tua. Right. Okay. So we know that he's got quick feet, and I trust me, I look like an offensive lineman. <laughs> I am not an offensive lineman. All right. So I understand there's a lot of footwork, there's a lot of hand movement, right. and it's a different step for him to learn. But if he, you know, through this pandemic and everything, if he can get that first step and get his body 
right to, to moving to that side, you know, it's not going to be an easy transition. But you also got to think, you got Joe Thomas and Joe Petonio right there in your back pocket going, hey, kid, you can do this. Let's do this. And the other one going, hey, kid, I got your back. Yeah, right. And I mean, you know, best case scenario for the Browns, he makes a smooth transition, but you just don't know until you see him on the field. And, you know, the fact that he protected uh, Tua's blind side on the right-hand side really doesn't matter, doesn't tell you anything how he can relate to the left side because, like you said, the steps are all different. You have to get used to taking that first step back with your opposite foot now. And so it'll take him some time. And, you know, we've heard Andrew Barry say a tackle is a tackle. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you play the right or the left. We'll teach him up. And it sounds like Stefanski is right on board with him there. And so, you know, I would like to have seen Andrew Thomas fall to them at 10 because I think he would have been a safer pick. But we'll never know. The Browns can tell us all day long that Jedrick Wills was our number one tackle in the draft, and we wanted him, and we were gonna, we are so elated that he fell to us. But the fact that we heard leading up to the draft, Andrew Thomas, they were enamored with him, and so we just don't know who did they really prefer. Now, for me, I was happy to see multiple guys, Becton, your guy, Wills, and Wirfs, who a lot of people thought was the best offensive lineman in the draft. Yeah, but they didn't know where he was going to be. Right, right. Was he going to bleed guard? You know, he played some right tackle, and because of injury, he shifted over to left tackle, so he had some left tackle experience. And so we don't know because Wills is so green as left tackle. We don't know how his skill set will transfer. Yeah, but you also got to, with Wirfs, you know, the only thing going for Wirfs at that point in time is, yeah, he bounced around the line. We didn't know where he was going to be. He played at Iowa. And most Iowa offensive linemen, it's kind of like Wisconsin. It's just ingrained in them that they can play wherever they need to play. It doesn't matter where it is. You can play left side, right side, tackle, guard, center. It doesn't matter. For some odd reason, when it comes to those guys, it's it's, it's a weird... The the Iowa coach, Kurt Ferentz, right? Right. Is a god when it comes to offensive linemen there because if you think about it, how many offensive linemen come from there and are actually decent in the NFL? There's a, there, it seems like a lot of them are drafted because they they play a pro-style kind of offense of let's go downhill, let's do this, let's, you know, hey, do the moon. Mm-hmm. But we got a project with Wills, which, yes, I agree with you. Andrew Thomas would have been a safer pick because he played left tackle. That's right. the only reason why. All SEC, all SEC, but he played left tackle, and I think that's what scares Browns fans the most is that kid already played left tackle. Now we got to teach a right tackle how to play left tackle. You have video on tape showing that he knows how to do it. Yeah, no, no, no. I get, I get that, but you know, it, it's it's almost the old adage: damned if you do, damned if you don't, right. because. Like you said, we don't know what they wanted at, you know, the first. It could have been Andrew Thomas, and as soon as Andrew Thomas went out, well, we're going to get our second pick then. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? These four tackles that we all talked about, every analyst in this whole country had a bounce around everywhere throughout the whole draft right. process. 
We had Worf's number one. We had Beckton number one. We had Will's number one. We had Thomas number one. Nobody knew where these guys were going to fall and how it was going to shuffle out. Mm-hmm. Okay? But we knew that those four guys were the top four guys. And as a Browns fan, I was happy with either one of them. Right. Because guess what? It gives us a chance. Mm-hmm. And that's all we need is a chance with one, right? Absolutely. Chance, develop. Because right. guess what? Was Joe Thomas a slam dunk? Yes, he was a third overall pick. Nobody knew how he was going to pan out, but we knew what he was when he was drafted. He was with his dad fishing on a boat. That's how much he cared about the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Okay? So guess what? The next left tackle we took was at home because of a pandemic. Guess what? Kind of works out. You think about it. All right? Yeah. Absolutely. So with that being said, though, I mean, if we get this offensive line solidified, guess what? That means Baker has got an extra two to three seconds to kind of shimmy around in that pocket and figure out what he's going to do, especially with this offense where it is nothing but play action, roll out. At least that's what we are thinking it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Play action, roll out, gets Baker to look downfield after the roll out. Guess what? What's more dangerous, and I know as an Ohio State fan because I got to watch him do it to us, is when Baker's out in space, he can pick you off. Because mm-hmm. guess what? That is a tool that most quarterbacks don't have is when he's out in space, his eyes are downfield, and he's going to throw a BB somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, one thing that was brought to my attention that I didn't even think of was your guy, Makai Becton, what's he, 6'8", 6'9"? 6'8", 370. How is a six-foot quarterback going to see over top him with defensive linemen hands up? throwing a short slant route to Odell Beckham. And so the fact that uh, Wills, I think, is 6'4", that's going to be easier for him to see over top of him. I mean, it's just... (laughs) we Apologize for that. We got interrupted by one of my sons. So, hey, welcome to the raw, uncut version of illegal ham to the face. Uncorked. (laughs) Uncorked and unloaded. And so, I mean, that, when somebody brought that to my attention, I was like, you know what? That kind of makes sense. He's 6'4". He's, you know, four or five inches shorter. Now, I'm not saying that that's the only reason they drafted him, obviously. You know, you go you go look at many of draft experts who know a lot more than I do. They're say, telling you that Jedrick Wills is the best tackle in the draft. And so, you know, uh, to get him at 10 is a blessing. Oh, yeah. And, of course, it's a blessing because a lot of people had him in the top five. Yeah. I mean, they had, you know, nobody expected Andrew Thomas to be the first one off. Everybody thought it was Jedrick Wills was going to be the first one off, correct? Correct. And we were going to be slim pickings because everybody had us either picking the third or fourth best tackle out. And and they had us trading down. You know, you think about it. <laughs> Sorry about that. They had us trading down and getting a different tackle. And you know how much, you know how pissed off Browns fans would have been yeah. if that would have happened? Yeah. Oh my, we would have been burning couches like they do in West Virginia. That's what I was most excited about. And, you know, whether they ended up taking Wills or Werfs or Becton, the fact that they didn't trade down, um, you know, like Sashi Brown's done for so many years, we thought, okay, Andrew Barry is just a disciple of Sashi Brown. Of course he's going to trade down. And how many times have we seen it? The guy that you are hoping for, the guy that you are praying for, falls to you, 
and you're sitting there and you're just praying, please take him to Sean Watson. Carson Wentz. I mean, I don't have to go down. The, I don't have to go down the list. I mean, that's painful <laughs> enough, right there. Justin so, Gilbert. Right. So the fact that uh, that we stayed where we were and we took our guy—that's what you should be most excited about. Whether you know these guys, admittedly, so know more than we do. You know, they've watched more tape. They know Wills to them, Callahan. One oh, of the yeah. best, one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. Forty years, right? And so he, I pray, we all hope that he had something to do with the selection of Jedrick Wills. The fact that he looked at all the tape and he said, "This is my guy." You know, we Beckton's kind of a project. Worse really doesn't have a position, in my opinion. This is their words. I would hope. We want Jedrick Wills. And so the fact that they stayed put, they took their guy, that's what we need to be most excited about. And, of course, the one thing that I really like about this pick is the first person to reach out to him besides the Browns front office going, hey, guess what, you're our guy? Joe Thomas reached out to him. First thing, first thing reached out to him and said, hey, you want to play here? This is what you got to understand. And if, you know... For all the Browns fans sitting out there that are upset that we didn't get Andrew Thomas, you know, all these four tackles, no matter who you ask, they were all in the same vicinity of each other. All their skills were about the same. If there was a Joe Thomas in this draft, you weren't getting him at 10. If there was a, you know, a once in a lifetime left tackle, you're not getting him at 10. You need to get him at two or three. And so the fact that there were four was. You know, you should be very grateful that we had a couple guys to choose from and we got the guy that we wanted because, you know, how many times have we seen it? Well, we really like this guy, Robert Gallery. You know, even though he didn't pan out, man, that guy is can't miss, surefire. We need to take him. He never gets anywhere close to where you're picking. And so you let him go. So on that note, Cody Kessler, trust me on this. (laughs) Yeah, right. So... All right, so after all this is done, all right, so we get our left tackle, and another huge spot that we had was safety. Mm-hmm. And they went out and got Grant Delvin. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell everybody, this kid is special. And the only reason I say that is the last time I said this, and you remember because I called you on it, okay. there was another oh, kid yeah. from right. LSU, right. the Honey Badger. <laughs> and I wanted the Browns to take him so bad because you just see a kid like this, and yes, they say his tackling's off and all this other It is what it is. When you see special, they're special. And guess what? They got that steal in the second round. Yeah. He was a first-round talent last year, and they got him in the second round. Mm-hmm. No. Now, one thing, maybe I'll let you behind the curtain a little bit, is... Obviously, we're both diehard Browns fans, and since the Browns have been so terrible for the last 20 years, I have to enjoy the NFL product in a different way. And so I enjoy it because I'm so tired of rooting for the Browns all the time. I enjoy it through a couple different ways. Fantasy football, because I can control that, and the NFL draft, because I'm I'm just an NFL draft nerd. And so... (laughs) 
they were talking about Grant Delpit as a top 10 pick last year after his junior year. And, I mean, it wasn't even talk. It was like, oh, for sure he's going in the top 10. I mean, he's one of the best safeties we've seen in a long time. And so he follows that up with a subpar senior year. Right. Injured. Injured. Senior year. Won a national championship, was the leader, one of the leaders on the defense. Yes. You know, whether he made plays or not, you know, what did he have? He had an ankle. He had a shoulder. Yes. And that really brought him down. And he went out there game after game. I think he missed maybe half a game or something like that. I don't that. Even think that. It might have been a quarter. Right. And so he has the skill. And as we'll probably get to later with maybe one of our six-round picks. Oh, of course you'll bring him up. <laughs> you are better off to draft guys that underperform where they have the talent. You know, they can if they overperform it's probably because of their system or their quarterback or this and that now if if you have guys you've we've seen Grant Delpit's talent oh yes oh you know, we've seen him go out there and seen him look like a superstar and okay we don't we don't know why he had such a down year we assume it's injuries but he just didn't forget how to play safety in major college football in the SEC and so the fact that he falls to your lap, and it was another one where I'm praying Delpit falls to us. I didn't ever think he would. And then when he did, I thought we'd go Sashi Brown. And Sorry. we traded down. Right. Sorry to keep bringing him up, but I thought we'd go, okay, the guy we've all wanted finally fell to us, and we're just we're not going to take him for whatever reason. And we traded down and got him. Right. That's, that's the killer thing. Right. This front office traded down and supposedly got a top 10 pick last year. They traded down in the second round to get him. Right. Okay. And I think this kid is going to absolutely solidify the back end of our defense. I think for once we actually have the safety that we need instead of Jabril Peppers playing all the way over and bitter, you know, <laughs> and, you know, Greg's offense or defense, right. you know, and all these other no, we finally got a safety that can either a play in the box, b line up in a slot and cover somebody, c cover a tight end, d hit somebody in the mouth. Yeah. And I like this kid. This is like my this was my favorite pick the entire time because I'm sitting behind the curtain. A lot somebody was not excited about certain picks beforehand that I have called out. Slash Baker Mayfield slash Denzel Ward. He was very <laughs> upset about those, and I called those picks. So we're just letting you behind the curtain on how we do, because when it comes to draft time, we talk about the draft nonstop. And it is top to bottom, and we talk about highs, lows, what they need, how they do it, whatever. But this kid is just special. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, he is just special. When, I heard when they called him and said, hey, you want to come to Cleveland play? He goes, let's ball out. He is that kind of guy that I think will energize our defense to a whole different level. Because last year, when Miles Garrett got suspended, our defense went to shambles. Because guess what? There wasn't that one guy, either A, to wreak havoc, or B, to fear. And guess what? I think this is that kid in the secondary. Yes, we have Denzel Ward. Yes, we have Greedy Williams. But I think this kid over top, can take off the top of any, any offense. Yeah, right. And, and, you know, what do you, obviously, when you draft 
in the first round, the top 15, you're hoping to get a surefire, no doubt about it, starter. After that, there's not many of those guys around. And so the Browns' biggest need was left tackle. They They had to get a left tackle because... What would happen if you didn't get a left tackle in the first round? I mean, you, you go dig up Jason Peters' corpse and send him out there? You know, you had to get a left tackle. You got your left tackle. What was the other position of need? It was safety. Yes. You know, linebackers, still a little weak. You had to get a safety because you brought in Sandejo, you brought in Joseph, but they they kind of play the same position. So you needed a ball hawk out there. And, you know, Delpit has proven he can be that guy. You know, he makes play after play after play. You bring up the honey badger. Sometimes you, you look at the honey badger and you're like, how in the world did that guy get to the third or fourth round? You know, don't we heard about him all throughout the year, how he was one of the best defensive players. And now because he's a little too short or a little this or a little that, he falls that far. I think kind of the same thing as Delpit. You watch his tape, yeah, he missed tackles. So did Greedy Williams. You know, Greedy Williams played pretty well. We don't need our defensive backs to make tackles. They are there in a passing league to break up the ball. And, you know, you have the pass rush with Miles Garrett, hopefully Olivier Vernon. Now you need help in the back end. And that's kind of the Browns' philosophy is – get after the quarterback, and then protect on the back end. And they don't really value linebackers the way that maybe some other teams do. And so they're fine with just putting whoever in there and hoping that they develop. And then if they develop, you see what you have with them. All right, so so on that note, let's go down to our third-round picks. Yeah. All right, so pick number 20 of the third round was defensive tackle Jordan Elliott. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we also got pick number 33, Linebacker, Jacob Phillips. Mm-hmm. So, well, Jacob Phillips, also LSU, correct? Also LSU. Also LSU, also a baller. And, and other than, you know, LSU had, what, how many guys drafted in the first couple rounds? You had oh. Chase on, you had um, Patrick Queen, who went to Baltimore. Um, he was their leading tackler, I believe. And so... To get a guy like that in the third round, who's one of the leaders on the defense, now everyone is saying he's still maybe a little green, he's still maybe a little raw, but I view both of these picks as picks for the future. And when you have a talented roster the way the Browns do, you can afford to make picks in the third round that are picks for the future. You know, in the years past, we're drafting guys in the fourth, fifth round, uh, Brandon McDonald <laughs> as, as Leon McFadden. Yeah, as starters. <laughs> you know, and so the fact that we're drafting depth, you know, we're looking one, two years down the way for guys that can maybe step in and even our next pick, which we'll get to, guys that okay, maybe you sit the bench for a year, you learn how to play. You know, who are our defensive tackles right now? Sheldon Richardson's a little old. Yes. Yes. Uh, Ogunjobi. Still, still not sure what we have with him. And no. he's going to, I believe this is his last year. Yes. He's going to require a payday next year. Yes. So you have to make up your mind pretty quick on whether you want to pay him 
or whether you want to let him go. And if this Elliot kid develops, which hopefully he will, you know, you hear how he was very athletic, highly touted coming out of high school. Yes. I believe he went to Texas. Yes, and then transferred to Missouri. And then transferred to Missouri. And he's kind of a guy that he's he's almost a luxury pick. You hope he works out. They also signed Andrew Billings from the Bengals. Yes. I, I think it was only a one-year deal. And so he's young. He's like 24 years old. So you have these couple of guys. You have Ogan Joby. You have Billings on a one-year deal. And you have Elliott. And you're hoping just one of them pans out. You know, one of them can make that next step up. To where you know Sheldon Richardson, he has I, I think he has a couple years left, but after that he'll be in his 30s and you know his contract's over with, and you hope somebody can get into that number one defensive tackle, that run stopper that you need because ever since they've been back, the Browns have been terrible at right. stopping the run, and so you know Elliot, a lot of people thought he would go much higher, and so the fact that he fell to you and you got him there and. The knock on him is he doesn't have a whole lot of production in college, but he has all the physical tools to be successful. And so that, I mean, it's kind of a dart throw for the Browns that, hey, this guy has everything we're looking for. We just need to coach him up and hope that he can make the plays. And, you know, worst case scenario, he's here and he's a reserve guy for three, four years, and we can use him. And then after that, we'll see where we're at with him. Yeah, yeah. And what I like about it is, from what I heard about Jordan Elliott, is, yeah, you know, he's also a pass rusher, too. He's not just a stud in the middle. No, he actually gets after quarterbacks. So if you think about it, we got Miles Garrett. Hopefully, Olivier Vernon's healthy. We still have Clowney out there in the mystical, <laughs> in the mystical pipe, dream. Pipe, pipe, dream, dream. pipe dream. But if it happens, and then we got this kid, a defensive tackle that's also a pass rusher, mm-hmm. on third down, we could actually use him. But if you also think about it, though, he seems like he's an all-around guy. We'll have to wait and see. Like you said, we have a chance to groom for once talent in yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Okay, and that's what we got, especially with the linebacker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you can hear, my dog barking in the background. We're Love both kind of that's that's, that's that's Princess, by the way. <laughs> and Princess is she's a princess. She's a diva. Go Tigers. Go. <laughs> so. But with Jacob Phillips, the reason why I like that pick is that kid's fast. And guess who we have in our division? Lamar Jackson. And you need somebody to catch him. And guess what? I think this kid can do it. I don't know if he will, but I think he can actually make this team and make a little bit of magic happen. I'm not asking for a lot. I just want somebody that is solid enough to play and not let Lamar get 20 yards downfield without putting a shoulder pad right in his face. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can... I'm not saying take him out or injure him. I want somebody to hit him to make sure that he... Because lately, he's just walking on water, and nobody's touching him. Mm-hmm. I want somebody to touch him to see how he likes it, because guess what? I watched him at Louisville, and yes, he is a great runner. I'm not saying he's not. But that one time that somebody pops him right in the chin, I want to see if he can take it or not, because I don't know if he can. Because he hasn't been touched his entire career. He is that good. He really is that good. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to... Well, let me... One more thing on uh, Phillips before we move on. You know, he's a little undersized. And, you know, I think we're kind of seeing that transformation from these big run-stopping 
uh, linebackers to guys that can move sideline to sideline and almost, you know, create plays like a safety can. And that's why, as you Buckeye fans know, you were upset when Malik Harrison fell to you at that position. Oh. And he was sitting right there. The Browns needed a linebacker, and they didn't take him. And so I think Harrison's kind of that run-stopping guy, whereas Jacob Phillips is kind of the sideline-to-sideline guy. And, you know, we're counting on him uh, in the future, but guess what? I think we're going to probably be counting on him within the next, you know, six to eight games trying to make a play because unless everything else turns up green and Taki Taki is a ball player and Goodson returns to his form with the Giants and Mac Wilson continues to progress, you know, we're going to need some linebacker help. We're going to need some guys that are, that are, you know, covering in zone coverage and, Hopefully he's that guy. It might take a couple years for him, but will he be able to blitz and spear Ben Worthlessberger, put him on the ground, put him out for the year? Probably not. (laughs) But will he be the guy that can chase Lamar Jackson around and give him fits? That's kind of what the Browns are hoping because that's the future of your division. You're going to have to compete with that for the next 10 years. Yeah, of course, because Big Ben is, what, 37? I think 37 years old. And now we got Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson in our division. This is going to be one of the best divisions that we've ever seen. As it's been. So, but we're going to move on, and we're going to get down into our fourth-round pick at number nine. 115 overall, tight end Harrison Bryant. Yeah. So now, granted, we got a tight end from uh, free agency, Austin Hoover. Mm-hmm. We have David Njoku. We mm-hmm. signed, who was the other tight end that we signed that we just picked up? I can't think of his name right now. Know. Must not be much. Okay. But Harrison Bryant was a actual award winner for best tight end. So we also have another rookie to add to the mix in tight ends. So we have, you know, depending on how he develops, we got some solid tight ends and how we're going to do things. So I'm hoping that this kid pans out and kind of can make it and hope this offensive line. Because you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to kick an old school, three tight ends, a fullback, and chub in the backfield and just push it down their throat. So here's a uh, here's a trivia question that maybe will go to bed and rest is do you remember all you Buckeye fans Harrison Bryant played against the Buckeyes this past year uh, where, where was he FAU Florida Atlantic with Lane Kiffin yes and I heard he tore him up and so I you'll have to look up the numbers exactly but it's FAU against the Buckeyes I mean you get 15 yards against them you're you're having yourself a good day i i thought i heard he had you'll have to look up the stats but i thought he was like six for 70 yards so just picture yourself at fau going in the big house or not the big house sorry that's my yeah that's my the horseshoe and i mean everyone you line up against is you know, a five star, a four star, you know, <laughs> super talented, much faster, much stronger than you. And if you remember, 
a couple years ago when Ohio State played Buffalo, there was one player yeah, on the Khalil field, Mack. Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack. I and him. he wasn't, oh. I mean, he wasn't like having a Hall of Fame day or nothing, but you could tell that that guy with the teammates he had around him going against a top five, top three program, he was he was a difference maker. And so hopefully the same thing can be said for Harrison Bryant, and hopefully... You know, I think this is another luxury pick. I think um, Najoku's days are done in Cleveland, and they want this guy to step right in, get one year to keep his feet wet, and step right in, take over for Najoku next year, and now you have your two tight ends set for the next three years, and hopefully he can block. I don't know how well his blocking is, but I know his catching and his running is very good, so... Hopefully he can do that like he did against the Buckeyes. Yeah, and I'm looking, I'm looking at his stats right now. In his senior year, listen to this: he had 65 receptions for over a thousand yards, 15 yards average, 15.4 average, and seven touchdowns for a tight end. For a tight end for his senior year, wow, that is unreal. You got the Buckeye game. No, I, I haven't pulled up the Buckeye game. I don't want to. I don't want to bring that up because I'm a Buckeye lover. <laughs> well, and this, won, this like, guy, fifty to seven. Yeah, and this guy's Buckeye hating over yeah, here. Come but on it, now. I'm not saying they dominated him. But. And you know what the thing is? Is after Ohio State played Buffalo, I even called you and said that kid is special, and it yeah. was Cleo Mack. Yeah. That kid was on all over that game. You can tell talent when you see you, it. You can definitely tell talent when you see it. Mm-hmm. So the last two picks, we picked up a center. We picked up center. Which is Nick Harris, which is going to give us depth right behind J.C. Trevor. And it's another depth. Another smart pick where, um, you know, Treader's getting up there in age, and he's been a warrior over the last two years for the Browns' offensive line. He has played through every injury, and he has been there. We don't know, you know, how beat up he's really been, but he's managed to get himself ready and get himself out there. And so, you know, if we can get one, two more years out of him, we'll be happy as pie. And so we got this guy. He's, you know, he wasn't dominant or anything, but he was a solid player. And you got to trust Bill Callahan with this one and hope that he develops him. And hopefully you have your center, if not for the next decade, you know, maybe for two to five years down the line to where he can step right in. He can learn from J.C., and he can step right in and you know be the guy to keep this offense going so it doesn't skip a beat in two, three years because Treader's, you know, Treader and Batonio, they're the leaders of our offensive line right now. And so it's a little scary to think about what will happen when those guys aren't there. And so hopefully he can just be a sponge and pick up everything that they're putting down and, you know, we can keep going from there. And maybe luckily he'll play into a role of a swing player and be able to play left guard, right guard for now and be groomed as the center in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, correct? Mm-hmm. So finally, we get to your last guy. And here we go. And here we go. Here goes From the, text messages. the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Donovan. Peoples. Jones. DPJ. My boy loves him. Hey. And I'm going to give him credit. I don't, I that, don't love uh, hold that on, much. hold on. He is a good kid. He was a top recruit. He went to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Mistake for him because he could have went to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. 
But not playing favorites here because guess what? When Braylon Edwards was drafted, I cheered for Braylon Edwards, even though he's still from Michigan. I still cheered for Braylon Edwards because he, guess what? Those days are done. This hate will get more vicious throughout the year. <laughs> just so, but the kid is a good kid. He just didn't have a quarterback. Right, right. Uh, the, so, you know, we'll start this off by, you know, saying that obviously he's from Michigan and there are going to be people that maybe won't admit it publicly, but they got a problem with that. And so he's <laughs> going to, well, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. <laughs> he's going to have to have thick skin. You know, I already hear people talking about, well, you know, we drafted Braylon Edwards and he didn't do a whole lot and this and that. Braylon Edwards was the third overall pick. This kid is a six-round pick. Can you tell me what happened to the last five six-round picks for the Browns? You probably can't because probably half of them didn't even make the team. So if this kid makes the team and he drops one ball, you know what we're going to be hearing. Well, another Braylon Edwards. Well, he went to Michigan. I guess they don't catch in Michigan, this and that. I mean, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. That's fine. You're allowed to your opinion, but it's up to him to have thick skin, whereas Edwards, Jabril Peppers, didn't have the thickest of skin. And those guys were a little different because they were kind of faces of the program. You know, Jabril Peppers, we've been hearing about him since he came out of high school. He was the number two overall player coming out of high school, so there were high expectations for him. When he came to Browns, there were even higher expectations. Yeah, and, and you know, something I understand the thick skin. And when college is over with, you're a Browns player, especially for me. Because, okay. you know, I still root for Ohio State players, and granted – only because it's you, I'll, yeah, hey, only because of you, I will give Michigan players shit. But guess what? They're playing for the Browns. They're not playing for Michigan anymore. And that's what people have to get over. And that's what he has to realize that if he comes here, yeah, there's going to be the highest they hate. Because guess what? We hate with the best of them because we're everywhere. <laughs> but he's got to realize that, guess what? If you want to play in this league, dust off your shoulder, son. Go out and play because guess what? You're athletic, you're long, and you can catch. And guess who you get to learn from? Two of the best in the business, OBJ and Jarvis Landry. How awesome is that as a six-round pick to come into Cleveland and play with OBJ and Jarvis? Are you kidding me? I'd be out there one-handed catching stuff behind my back. (laughs) So... As I look at your eight-time national championship T-shirt and throw up in my mouth a little bit, <laughs> I'm reminded that you're still three away from eleven. But we'll leave it right there. We don't need to go into any more Michigan Ohio State hate. So let's dig into this People's Jones pick. Um, coming out of high school, he was. He was the guy. He was the number one receiver coming out of high yeah, school. Everybody wanted him. He went to Michigan. Somehow they found a way to screw him up. You know, whether it be the system, whether it be the quarterbacks, he still had all the potential in the world. And so to get a guy like that in the sixth round who has number one potential to get him in the sixth round, to me it seems like a no-brainer. If you cut him, you never think about him again. He's a six-round pick. What the heck's the difference? Let's, let's be honest. He's going to stick around. Right, yeah. let, let's be honest. You know, they they, re, they re-signed Higgins. 
They got Ratley, and they got who's the other guy? I can't think of his name. Cordero Hodge. Hodge. Okay, there we go. So they got guys there, but if you're bringing in this guy, there's something special about this guy. And guess what? He was supposed to go what the third round? Third, fourth, yeah. I mean, you sit there and look at all the receivers that were taken in this round, and the receivers that were taken late. You know. Honestly, I would have loved K.J. Hill in this offense, there but that's is. because my, I'm is. a Ohio State homer. And also, I have to bring up to my uh, <clears throat> constituent here to the left, is yes, we've only won eight, but they've been in the modern era, not back in 1902, where you won like six in a row. All right? <laughs> so. However you have to justify it, it's all up to you. I mean, since this year we've done this, since that. No, I look at the whole pie. You can look at pieces however you want to. So, so just to, to nerd out for a second, we can nerd out just a little bit. I'll give you a little information. So, obviously, it was between K.J. Hill and Peoples-Jones for a lot of people in this area. Who should they draft? And so, obviously, we know K.J. Hill was the more productive receiver in college. And Peoples-Jones has more athletic gifts, we could say. You yes, know, yes. What, he jumped 44 inches in the, at the combine, whatever that means. You know, I don't know if that really translates to being a wide receiver in the NFL. I don't know. Hockey basketball. So, to get nerdy, sorry for you people that aren't nerds, maybe skip ahead a little bit, but... To get nerdy, the Browns run a 12-man personnel, which means they run two receivers on the outside, they run two tight ends, and they want run one running back. And so they don't have a slot. K.J. Hill is a slot receiver. Peoples-Jones is an outside receiver. And so on, I think, going back to last year with the Vikings, I think – the Vikings ran a third of their plays out of 12 person, twelve personnel. And so they were number two in the league in doing that. The other, the top five teams in the league that did that, that ran the 12-man personnel, they all made the playoffs. And so that is good for Stefanski. That's good for the Browns' future. And so, you know, maybe the game is kind of coming back to the spread, from the spread to the area where well hopefully it does come back to that and now we're at the end of the episode where we have to do the top three and big bry is in charge of the top three today okay all right well uh we will go since obviously the last couple of episodes have been very browns heavy because let's be honest that's all we have going on right now (laughs) you know no indians no calves not the fact that uh we get into those sports a whole lot. Um, we are fans, but we live and die by the Browns. And so we'll just let you know where we come from and you know where our Browns roots came to be. We will go with our top three favorite Browns players. And I'll let Jarrett kick it off. All right, so I'm going to go with number three, and I'll kick it back to Bry. Number three for me growing up. Eric Metcalf. There was just something about Eric Metcalf, especially as a Browns fan. Eric freaking Metcalf. And that's all I got to say about it. Because <laughs> every time you think he was out, boom, punt return, touchdown. Eric Metcalf. 
All right. So you you gave a short explanation for that, so I'll give you an answer. And I don't even know if I need to give an explanation for it, but uh, Braylon Edwards would be my number three. Oh, <laughs> uh, of course. We already know. We already know the explanation on that. Let's just skip that. All right, we're skipping that. So let's go number two, because now that somebody screwed up and did Braylon Edwards. So number two for me overall, and granted, his time here could have been better, but he got drafted into a shitty, shitty team. And I'm going to have to go with Tim Couch, because guess what? I remember my first win after the expansion draft, I was sitting in my basement with my stepfather, and I watched a Hail Mary pass to Kevin Johnson in the end zone against the Saints, and I went absolutely ballistic. And I wish that man had a chance somewhere else other than here because I think he could have been great. Yeah, I mean, you'll get no rebuttal from me. I think he could have been great. He could have been our franchise quarterback. I mean, he could have played until, think about it, if he was good... If he, he lived, for, he could be playing right now. He could be playing up until 2015, 2020, if he had a team around him. So. I'm ready right now. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, my number two, is a little more sentimental for me, and but he's also a Browns great, and he's also a number 17, much like Braylon Edwards, and that's Brian Seif, <laughs> uh, hey. which is the man who, even though my parents deny it to this day. The man I was named after. <laughs> and thank God I wasn't born two years later because I would be Bernie. Oh, that's, that's even better. Oh, my God, that's awesome. I love it. So everybody has, you know, their different number one. Honestly, everybody's number one is Jim Brown. Let's be honest. All right. Jim Brown is the greatest Brown ever. Let's just put it out there. There is no if ands, or buts. He retired in his prime. Think, if he would have kept playing, he could have owned everything, okay? So, on that note, I'm leaving Jim Brown out because Jim Brown is a whole nother level that I'm not touching. And I'm going to go with a not such a fan favorite, but I've met him a few times, and I love him, Ozzie Newsome. Okay? He's not flashy. He's not anything else. And I know he went to Baltimore. Screw Baltimore. I understand that. But when he was here, it was something special with that team. And that team was special for the Browns. Yeah. I mean, one of the greats, one of the best at his position in the history of the league. So, I mean, going back to Jim Brown, obviously, for our generation, um, you know, we, we relate to LeBron because he brought us a championship. That was Jim Brown in the the 50s and 60s yes, yes. and so you know to even consider anybody else it seems to be silly because he was the great greatest i mean i, I still remember in uh at the turn of the century they were espn was counting down the greatest athletes of all time and the number one was michael jordan number two i believe was muhammad ali number three was Babe Ruth number four was Jim Brown so that goes to show you what kind of company that he's in so anyways my number one is somebody you already talked about and that's Eric Metcalf he was 
in, in my childhood, he was the most electric player on the Browns. And you could not wait until the ball got into his hands. And I don't even need to bring up the two, was it punt returns punt against returns. against the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, <laughs> you know, other than Josh Cribbs, we've never seen that. You know, the fact that you could take the ball at the 20, at the 15, and you could take it for a touchdown. I mean... You know, he was considered, I guess, a running back, but he was kind of a do-it-all player. And so, I mean, just to watch him take a little screen or take a little uh, slant pass and go the distance, I mean, it was much must-see TV. It was fantastic. All right, so that's our top three for today. So what we're going to do now is finish up our trivia question. And my trivia question to you was... What Denver Bronco quarterback that was drafted by Denver won a playoff game? Okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to think really hard. There's no Google. Right. I sit right beside him the entire time, so right. I want to hear his answer. So I feel pretty confident with this because obviously you asked the question at first and the obvious answer would be John Elway, but then you think about that's not my final answer, by the way. You think about it, and you know you think about how he was drafted and didn't want to play for the Colts, and he ended up going. I think I believe he, this was before our time. He was drafted by the Colts and then traded to Denver, or however it worked out. He went to like USFL or some shit. Yeah, 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 something like that. Or so, played baseball with the Yankees. So being the Pittsburgh Steeler hater. That I am, that you are, I relish in Pittsburgh Steelers' losses the way that I would relish in the Browns' win. And so, especially a playoff game. And so, you know, I remember the magic. We all remember the magic for a couple of years where... He might have only thrown for 83 yards. He might have only thrown for 95 yards. It didn't matter. He found a way to win, and he found a way to hit, I believe it was Demarius Thomas or somebody, for like an 80-yard bomb in overtime to beat the daggum Steelers and take them down. And that would be the man, the myth, the legend, Timothy Richard Tebow. Tebow! Drafted number 25. Tim Tebow! Good job, Brian. All right, so we are going to end this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. We appreciate everything. Also, thank you again to our first responders. You guys are amazing. Thank you for everything you do. Our military, we love you. Thank you for everything. And we are uncorked, unloaded, and we are out. God bless you. God bless.